What's up, everybody? Terminal Transmissions. Right back at you again. Episode 29. It's been 48 hours at least. Yeah. Episode yeah. 29. Almost 30. Yeah, yeah. Should we do something like, should we finally do a giveaway for episode 30? That would be pretty cool. I mean, I I'm kind of broke, though. Oh, yeah, me I'll too. just give away something that I already own. <laughs> Here's these shoes. Yeah. You guys can have my, my Jason David Frank autographed Green Ranger action figure. I like Power, it. Power Ranger. I like anyway, it. so what do we got? So we are going to talk about a little TV show you might have heard of called Luke Cage. Little Diddy. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, I'm going to preface this with Danny has seen every episode of this show as as he does. You know me. Uh, I've only seen five episodes so far, so I'm trying to make it through. But uh, I don't I don't get to sit down and crush TV shows nearly as much as Danny does, unfortunately, because my life sucks. Anyway. I did still it want could to- be argued that my life sucks, and that's why I get to watch 13 episodes in 24 hours. Yeah, well, uh, glass half Subjective. Full. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I wanted to talk about Luke Cage, even though I haven't finished it. It doesn't really matter because I, I'm, I still love the show. And so. I want to preface his preface by saying that since I have finished it and he hasn't, I might be kind of muted during this segment just because I don't want to accidentally ruin anything for him because it's going to be hard for me to remember exactly what happened in episodes one through five. Well, yeah, so so I think that the best way we can do this is so is to not really hit any plot points, per right. se. Right, just kind of just, talk about aspects, in yeah, the broader yeah, get, aspects get, of the show that we appreciate. Absolutely, give it the broad strokes. So uh, I will start out with saying uh, one of the key elements of the show, which is absolutely fucking incredible, and is how the show actually starts, is the music. God damn. Holy fuck. So I think in every episode, every episode so far that I've seen, uh, they kind of have like this uh, live music number right. in a club, a la um, True Detective season two, kind or, of did a similar thing. Or uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as yeah. it were. Yeah, a bunch, so. bunch of alternative 90s bands. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, really, really cool. And uh, I mean, so far, all of them have been goddamn incredible. Not to say that the other music of the show isn't fucking phenomenal, because it is. But I was I wanted to specifically highlight that element of it right. because I love it so much. Um, yeah, so they have these live performances that are actual real, real artists from real yeah. life doing go, real live performances. Just I mean, getting recorded studio style, but then getting to like do that perform it in front of basically an audience at this fake club, yeah. fictionally, but it's real. Yeah. And then it's always also a montage of things happening in the show outside of the club. Yeah. While you're getting these cut-ins of, like, the the artists, like, performing on stage. And right. it's fucking rad. Yeah, I mean, it, it's super cool because so that means that each song is a unique take that you mm-hmm. don't get. It's not just how it's normally done in shows where it's, like, when they do that kind of thing, that trope, I guess, they're just lip-syncing along with, like, the studio version of right. the song. That's not what these people are doing. No. They're, they're really getting to perform. Yeah. And you're getting to capture a little slice of that, which gives it a lot more of an impact and a lot of flavor to the show, which I love, which is going to tie into my next point, which is the culture of the show. Right. So this directly, uh, I think to me, uh, is kind of like one of the pillars of the culture of the show. So they've done something 
with this show that they haven't done so much with Jessica Jones or with Daredevil. Whereas Daredevil does get really into like the nature of Hell's Kitchen and right. the nature of like, you know, he and he and um he talks about it and Fisk talks about it like, you know, when you're from here, you don't want to leave and like this is your place. And, right. Like, this is your place in the world and how important it is to you. And it's cool because you're now getting that in Luke Cage, but like tremendously more, but also from an outsider's point of view, because he's not actually from Harlem. Right. And uh, I love that. I love that it's so much, it's so important to the actual fucking plot of the right, show. Right, right, right. The narrative itself. Yeah. It, like, like hinges on that aspect. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, and it's pushed in every single avenue to the point that like, it's, it's so cool that like, it's you don't usually see it, but like almost every character knows one another, right? Because there, it's like, yeah, we're all from the same like neighborhood. Yeah, they all grew up together. Yeah, there's and constantly it, references to like, I knew this person when I was a kid. Right. I knew this person when I was a kid. We knew each other. We went to school together. We grew up together, etc. Or at least I know who that person is. Right, right, right. Very, very, very cool. And you don't really get to see that a lot, especially in like urban dramas and stuff. Like you don't normally when stuff like that when that trope is used. It's normally like small town, like right, rural right. areas, and then it makes sense. But it's like it's cool seeing this. So anyway, yeah. So I, I would say like the music, the culture of it is 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 one of a kind. I don't think I've ever seen another show that felt like that. And so that's really cool for me that they they went that much into it. Right. Um. And then I also wanted to say like, and we, you had touched on this before. I even watched a single episode of it because I just started a little bit late. Um. But the lighting and everything and the colors used it's it's fucking like incredible yeah the lighting the the setup of just every like the camera angles like the cinematography is yeah. fucking like mind-boggling yeah there was there was a scene where a character's like playing piano and i was like you are like fucking me up right now with the colors and the sounds of this scene yeah it's like you're putting on a fucking like performance art piece yeah that and scene it, was fucking i know what you're talking about the yeah. scene was dope yeah um but yeah the lighting is incredible like the 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 angles that they use and all of the effort that they're putting into this. It's fucking incredible. Uh, but the acting is also really fucking good basically yeah. across the board. There's been a couple of like the youths, like the, the street toughs are not so great at acting. Right. Which is fine. Um, but I mean, they do good enough. They do good it's enough. Not, like, it's it's not, not like distracting or anything. Yeah. Yeah. They're it's not just, you, you just see a comparison because their other performances are like yeah. goddamn incredible. Yeah. The juxtaposition is kind of harsh yeah. a, a couple times where you're like, man, this other dude right here in the same scene is just killing every line that he's dropping out. Right. And you are just kind of mediocre at best. And so it, that kind of bummed me out, but it's no like foggy Nelson. No, where it's it, so minor. Yeah, like like I will actually say that I loved Daredevil seasons one and two, and sometimes Foggy's bad acting actually like made me not want to watch the show. Yeah, it was it, like it's terrible. Quit. Yeah, everyone. I mean, and some he, sometimes he'd be great, but every once in a while Foggy'd hit you with a line that you're like, "How have you been doing this for like twenty years? How did the director go? That's the one." Yeah, like what did you take it? Did you do that take like forty seven times and finally he gave up? Because yeah, there there were a few. I don't remember. There was one specific line in season two. Season two where yeah, we I talked about. It. I don't remember what it is yeah. now. We talked about. It. I, yeah, I remember getting like upset. Like, bro, I, I you that's unacceptable. Um, but yeah, so the show doesn't have foggy in it, which uh, automatically makes it a step above. Yeah. Um, and then I wanted to talk about the actual characters. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and I want to highlight this with something that's very important to me is like good villains and this right. show. Holy fuck. They are not playing games with, with my heart, with the villains. Like it's like, holy shit. So again, I'm not trying to get into any of the plot points, but uh Cottonmouth, whom you meet in the very first episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not too many of the spoilers there, but like it's everything from like his acting to his motivations, mm-hmm. like the lines of dialogue that are written for him are just so goddamn perfect for like showcasing this multifaceted character. He's not just bad for the sake of being bad. Like he's, he's got these very strong motivations yeah. every, and when he does, when he makes decisions, like it makes sense for him to make those decisions. And then like his partner, she's like that. It's like everyone that I've seen is like, has these clear cut, believable motivations yeah. and that's so important to me because a lot of times that's where fiction fails right uh they, they just write these like bad guys that are bad for the sake of being bad yeah and it's like okay but like give me something more right and like everybody has these like different like facets to them right yeah and and i agree i mean you know i'm not gonna get into it because maybe maybe you haven't even met all the villains right, yet right. <laughs> um but they are all incredible. Right. Um, but, and we talked about this earlier today. It's definitely the most morally ambiguous of the Netflix yes. Marvel series. Yes. In that Cottonmouth and Mariah are both fighting against the gentrification of their neighborhood. Right. And they're going about it in not the right way. Right. But they genuinely have like a, like a good, a morally good reason for doing what they're doing. Right. They're just going about it the wrong way. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then it's, yeah, it's, it's very the most morally ambiguous in terms of the juxtaposition between the good guy, I'm air quoting the right. good guys and the bad guys right. and, and Luke Cage. It's really subjective in a lot of ways. Right. You, there's a lot of moments where you're kind of like, oh, like that's their motivation. Like, <laughs> damn. Yeah. And then that's another thing about the show is like, uh, it, it's like a predominantly POC cast. I think there's maybe like fucking like three white characters right, in the whole show. Right. Um, it deals with real issues like police violence against people of color and right. like uh, the gentrification of Harlem, sure, which is a real thing. Uh, also, like um, it gets into like gang violence. They've they've referenced like gang violence, especially like in in the past, like in, in the history, right, right, being right. terrible like, and like things that have actually happened, like yeah. real real history, right. Um, but but it's, there's a lot of times where you you can very much see things from the again quote villains right. perspective. Right. But yeah, like, so I guess villains, back, back, bad guys that you've met so far would be Cottonmouth, Shades, Mariah, mm-hmm. um, and Domingo. Right. And like, Domingo plays a minor role, but right. even he's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he, they did a really good job of like making him stand out, even though you see him only like briefly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also wanted to say that um, the female characters in yeah, it yeah, are incredible. Absolutely. Holy shit. Um, so Misty Knight. Is in is in it, and I didn't even know that Missy Knight was going to be in it. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, and what's hilarious is I forgot that her name is Mercedes. Mm-hmm. So when they when you first see her, they keep calling her Mercedes, mm-hmm. and I was like, I, I wonder who this some, is. Some made up character for the show. Yeah, I I I I, I thought that it was probably someone, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that it was going to be someone important. And yeah. then they were like Misty Knight, and I was like, fuck you, yeah, fuck you. Like, that's so fucking cool. They've basically put every important character from old school Luke Cage in yeah. the show. Yeah. Like, so, for the most part. Yeah. And they've, they've done Misty a little bit differently than how yeah. she's typically portrayed in the comics. In the comics, she's much more of like, look at me. I'm like this super badass. I'm one of like, 
the top non-powered, just like hand-to-hand combatants in right, the Marvel right. Universe. And uh, she's more kind of like like a, an agent of Shield type character. Yeah, like almost like an agent as opposed yeah. to like a detective. Yeah, yeah. And they they definitely do a good job with her of juxtaposing Luke Cage being like a walking battle tank. Right, right, right. And then her being like still, su- still being relevant. Yeah, still being relevant, but like having just this like supreme confidence, almost like more confidence than Luke Cage has, which right. is kind of crazy because, because he's bulletproof. Yeah. And he does have like a swagger to him and he yeah. does have like a, this, this like unshakable confidence, which you would if you were bulletproof. But also like, I think he had that before he had superpowers, so it didn't matter. But like she has this this super cool like I, again I want to highlight though that it's believable right like it's it's <laughs> like it, it's like it's not just like oh like look at me I'm like the tough cop girl and right. like that and you think it's just gonna be that trope and then she's like no I'm smart yeah and, and like physically talented yeah. and gifted but mainly I'm just fucking smart and good at my job yeah and I fucking love that. Yeah, they definitely have. I mean, they've changed. Other than like Luke, pretty much every character in the show has been way toned down. Right. Like Cottonmouth, Black Mariah, Shades, mm. Misty Knight. Like they've all been like reined in compared to how they are in the actual comics. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they've all been done in a way that's not only believable, but it, they're like, I don't want to use the word lovable in terms of like the character being lovable. Right. But like they're all, they can all be appreciated as characters. Yeah. yeah. Um, Especially Shades. Because- Shades is fucking. Just wait until you finish the series. He's yeah. like seriously one of the best characters in the whole series. That's that's crazy too, and and it, it's so funny because like, and I haven't read a ton of Luke Cage, but I've I've read a considerable amount. But like, it's funny because Shades is normally like kind of a two bit. Yeah, he's pretty much like nothing. When I read a that Shades was going to be in the show and that Theo Rossi was playing him, I was uh-huh. like, this is going to be like a two episode, one and done, tertiary, right, right. Like, like nonsense character. Not the fucking case. Yeah, yeah. He's no. in like every single episode, pretty much. Yeah, they 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 have done like a fantastic job of really utilizing him in this really cool way. That it's kind of like Littlefinger in uh, Game of Thrones, where right. it's like he's not in a lot of scenes, but the scenes he's in, he's very important in. Them. Oh yeah, yeah. Even when he's not like the figurehead of those scenes, yeah. It like there's some scenes that he like doesn't even have lines in. Right. But he makes like, a huge impact in any scene that he's in. Yeah. And you and you can like see that. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, I can't wait to finish it. I'm gonna probably crush two, maybe three eps tonight. I I yeah, love so it. So expect that probably next week we'll talk about Luke Cage again. Yeah. So just strap in Rad. for that. But yeah, so that's all I can say about it right now. And again, I'm that's mainly because I don't want to talk about any specific scenes. Right. So beaming on into science, um, I wanted to talk about something really cool that I read today. Apparently, some scientists at the Institute of Applied Physics uh, of the Russian Academy of Sciences, and this is all theoretical. This has not been done in practice in a lab. But essentially, uh, they've figured out a way to make antimatter, matter and antimatter using lasers. Now, the reason why that's significant is because we know how to make antimatter in theory mm-hmm. and we have known mm-hmm. but the cost to make like a microscopic amount right is literally a quadrillion dollars really yeah a million billion dollars to Whoa. make like like a milligram Whoa. of antimatter Whoa. so i'm not going to get super into the actual like balls deep science of it because that's fucking boring um <laughs> yeah. but basically so using high-powered laser pulses they've essentially found a way to like 
superheat and create antimatter without using all the energy that it normally would cost. Which because that, that's cool. why that's why it costs so much. Uh, it, apparently, making one gram of antimatter would require approximately 25 million billion kilowatt hours of energy. Damn. <laughs> Jesus. Using previous previous techniques. Yeah. Um, so, again, this is all just theoretical, but they believe they have this algorithm figured out. And if we can just fucking poop out antimatter using lasers, mm-hmm. then it's just Spaceship Town. Right, right. Let's it's go. Just, it's just Marsburg. <laughs> Like, you could literally, like, milligrams of antimatter could get us all the way to Mars. Jesus. That's so awesome. So, if this is a thing that they can actually prove and apply mm-hmm. in a lab, then we're just we're just spacemen. That's pretty fucking dope. Yeah. We're just, at that point, it's just spacemen. Yeah. That's fucking awesome, man. That's really fucking cool. I like I like that a lot. I, I, I want to see what happens with this. Yeah. You know, it could be one of those things. We, we, we have read a lot and talked a lot about uh, scientific advancements on this show that may or may not ever even anything come of them right sure it's like you know hey we just wrote this fucking paper and then it gets stuck in the file <laughs> right you know fucking goddamn ge buys it and burns it right. or, or whatever right. yeah and that's how that, and unfortunately that's how science works in general even when even when scummy shit doesn't happen like it's just sometimes there's a breakthrough and then sometimes that's it that that's like that like that branch doesn't always continue right so it's like eh, but uh, i mean it's just it's just like the timing with like all this um, right. like push that Elon's been making to right. go to Mars and yeah. like this like huge plan that he's revealed about all the different steps and how far we are and like the different types of engines and, and like fuels and how effective they are in terms of like how much how much containment we have and like can we create fuel stations in between Earth and Mars right. using this specific fuel type and like can we produce this fuel type on Mars, etc. Right, right. The timing of this of yeah. this discovery is like hugely important. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, hopefully multi-planet, yeah. multi-planetary species within, you know, fucking 10 or 15 years from now. That would be incredible. That's, to, you know, s- to see that in our lifetime would be absolutely the best thing. I keep reading different dates that he said, uh-huh. but somewhere between 2021 and 2025, mm-hmm. he wants to have people, plural, on Mars. Yeah, that's fucking dope. That's 10 years. Yeah, that's, that's, that's 2021 is, is four years from now. Yeah, yeah that's, that's nuts. Yeah, I, I man, I'm, I'm I'm crossing my fingers. I, I would love to see it. Like I said, I, if it if it happens at all in our lifetime, even if I don't get to do it, it, just seeing it happen, I think would be. Yeah, and the thing that people don't realize, you know, a lot of people have their weird kind of similar in the similar vein to like when we talk about like um, stem cell research and sure. stuff. They have these weird ideals about space travel and right. just being like science fiction and pointless. <sighs> the fact is, is that on a long enough timeline, humanity will cease to exist. There's no way that we can survive infinitely, right? It, right. The solar system will burn out. The universe will die because we'll of the entropy. We get smacked by an asteroid. Eventually, if we stay on Earth, we have a finite timeline, period. Right. Well, all only, of our eggs are in one basket. The only way to extend that at all and to keep humanity alive is being a multiplanetary species. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Yeah, and it's very frustrating because even, like, uh, case in point, like... um I normally really, really agree with a lot of what Henry Rollins has to say, but there was actually one of his, uh, he did like a bit about it on one of his, one of his like specials. And he was basically talking about that. And he was, and he was like, you know, when people talk to me about how we need to go to Mars and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, yeah, but like, that's, that would be cool and all. This was his point is like, that'd be cool and all, but like, there's stuff here that we need to worry about. And it's like, you're missing the whole fucking point. Yeah. Is that like, as long as we're here, yeah, we have a whole lot of shit to worry about. And I get that. But like at any point, like a super volcano could go off right now and we're just dead. Our yeah. entire species is just gone. Yeah. But 
the detection rate of an asteroid hitting Earth is something like only like 50%. Yeah. So it's just like, huh? I mean, we could, any, we could anything just, could happen. Yeah. Well, some fucking ridiculous, like, astronomical phenomenon that we don't even know about could happen. <laughs> right, right, like, We could right. just get hit with a thing that we didn't know existed and we're just gone instantly. Yeah. And there's tons of stuff that we do know about that could just wipe us out instantly. Like, that super volcano shit is actually just, like, terrifying. If you read about it at all and you're just like, oh, at any point, one of these fuckers could just go off and, like, our whole planet goes up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And it's just like there's there's no there's no like plan. Yeah. It would just be, oh, that erupted and by the time we knew about it, we're dead. Yeah. And it's just like cool. People would survive the initial eruption, but a domino next, it's extinction. Yeah, yeah. It's a domino effect that leads to us being all killed. Yeah. Uh and so yeah, we gotta we gotta get out there. And so antimatter production is a huge advancement in that yeah. direction. So hopefully yeah. this is a viable actual thing. Um, because again, like we said, a lot of these theories just get fucking put in a file and that's the end. So I wanted to talk about a video game. I like that. That's a topical. (laughs) But strangely, uh, it's going to be a little bit different than usual because I'm not really talking about the game per se. Right. Uh, but it's, it's a byproduct of the game. Nor is it a game that I give a fuck about. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't go for racing games. I've played racing games, of course, but yeah, car racing is not something that I find any real enjoyment doing in any in any regard, regardless. Right. Uh, but anyway, this I, I was reading this news article earlier that was mega fucking cool. So there, there's a series of games, uh, a ton of them called the Forza series, mm-hmm. and specifically in this game, it's the Forza Horizon Three. Mm-hmm. It just came out just a few days ago. But anyway, this is cool in that so. This dude got on Reddit and was talking about how... So, apparently, they have this feature within their games. And they've had it for a long time, since Forza 5. And they're they're now on, like, Forza 9. Mm-hmm. And um, it's called Drivatar. So, portmanteau of Drive and Avatar. And what it allows you to do is, basically, it allows you, your friends, to interact with you when you're offline. Right. right? So, it basically tracks your the style that you drive, the w- the ways that you drive, how, how good you are basically. But it actually takes in a lot of aspects of your personality and mm-hmm. stuff. Like if you drive off road a lot, it'll do that more mm-hmm. and, and what have you. Um, so this dude was talking about how last year, one of his friends died mm-hmm. in an accident and he got to like race his friend because in the new game, because he got to import his drive guitar. Right. And so I just wanted to talk briefly about that. There's not like, there's like nothing else to go on on that. But uh, I just thought that that idea was super fucking cool because it's just like this is what we we talk a lot about like future technology. I mean, we just fucking did, you yeah. know, just talking about I don't know transhumanism and uh, and while this isn't directly transhumanism, again, it's it's one of those things that's kind of in the same trains of thought, right? Mm-hmm. It's like getting to interact with even just like a copy of a copy of a copy of like you uh, an aspect of your friend's personality and right. habits is kind of fucking incredible. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, again, like I don't care about racing games or sure. Forza, but just that in and of itself, really not even the feature, the feature is cool, but just yeah. that story adds so much to it. Absolutely. absolutely. There, uh, there's an episode of that black mirror show uh-huh. um, with Haley Atwell um, from agent Carter and okay. Domino Gleason. Okay. From fucking About Time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what's that stupid Android movie that we hate? Oh, oh, Ex Machina. Yeah, yeah, that thing. That, that thing. 
Um, anyway, so it's those two, and it's um, uh, sort of like a sci-fi-ish romance kind of drama, a little okay. short episode, okay. but it's kind of based on that principle. Okay. Of like um, a personality based on a collection of someone's digital footprint. Okay. Um, but it's really, really good. Yeah, it's, it, I think it's yeah. I think it's the best episode oh, of, wow. of Black Mirror. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's really cool. Like, it's kind of like that, well, making a nerd-ass reference, but it's the the what Edenists get to do in, in Night's Dawn. Yeah, you guys should all check out the Night's Dawn trilogy by P.F. Hamilton if you like sci-fi uh, books with a little taste of fantasy. Yeah. It's my favorite book series of all time. Very incredible. Finally got Garrett to read it, and he's working through them now. Mm-hmm. Very fucking cool. Yeah, it's, it's it's really cool. It's like their their idea is that they, to them, the afterlife doesn't exist, or probably doesn't at least, to their, to their uh, understanding. And so... Basically, their workaround of that is that you get to, like, basically, before you die, upload a copy of your consciousness into a habitat that people can then go and interact with you. So you're not, it's to them, you're not really gone. Right. And so even though you are dead and you are gone and you don't get to interact with them, they still get to with you. And so it actually, like, solves a lot of existential um, crises that people have. Yeah, because to them it, they they feel like they still get to keep living a little bit even though they know that it's it's just like a facsimile. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I I think this is really cool. Like I said, I just the the spirit of the story I I really liked is just like again, it's just such a small thing and I'm sure it wasn't even what the Forza guys had intended with this feature, but just that it happened. Like that is a thing that happened is so cool to me that like, again, it's, it, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, no, like that dude is dead, but like, at least like his friend gets to feel a little bit like he's like hanging out with him again. Yeah. It's real cool, man. That's fucking dope. So to wrap things up in movies, uh, I just want to touch on this real quick. We finally got a teaser for the new pirates of the Caribbean movie, uh, dead men tell no tales, which I didn't so, even know that they were doing another one of. I thought they were, yeah. I thought they were done. No, that's so cool. I love these movies. Yeah, me too. This is one of those things where other people out in the world loved uh, Ex Machina, and me and Garrett loved all four of the fucking stupid ass parts yeah, of the Caribbean. They're movies. all so good. They're fucking awesome. Uh, so, are so dumb. Uh, yeah, we got a teaser finally. Uh, it was released uh, Sunday during the uh, season finale of Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, okay. Um, it showed nothing of like Jack Sparrow or any of the known characters. Uh-huh. Um, it showed an entirely new character, a young a young kid. And the main uh, antagonist of the new movie, which is Captain Salazar, played by, by Javier Bardem from oh. No Country for Old Men. And he's basically a ghost pirate. Yeah. Um, so throwing, you just get, throwing it back, if you will. Yeah. So you just get a little uh, interaction with him and this new character. Uh, uh-huh. He looks fucking insidious. Dude, it's like, it's ridiculously scary. Like spooky. Yeah. Like it, he's real fucking creepy and intense yeah. and like yeah. evil. His like mannerisms and like he has like he's like blood is like coming out of his mouth, like but it's all black. And yeah, he's like his hair and his clothes move like he's underwater. Yeah, like he's like walking, but like every, like his hair is flowing around in the air like he's underwater. Right, it's real fucking weird. Like I I think the coolest thing to me is that like in the first movie you have ghost pirates and this is ghost pirates, but they were so different that like it doesn't even seem like it's like rehashed. Right. Well, I think it's because the, in the first one, they were kind of more like zombie pirates. Yeah, that's true. Whereas in this one, they're like ethereal, like black pirates pouring out of them. <laughs> yeah. Like legit, like ghosts. Like, yeah. They're like gray and ashen and, and like like no color anywhere. All pallid. Um, <laughs> that's a good word. Yeah, I liked that. 
Um, but yeah, so it looks great. Uh, so it's got Javier Bardem. Then it's got obviously Johnny Depp returning. Uh, it's also got Jeffrey Rush returning as Barbosa. Oh, really? Uh, Kevin McNally returning as Mr. Gibbs, which is important because oh, he's like the best character. And yeah. then actually Orlando Bloom what? is returning as Will Turner. What? So he wasn't in On Stranger Tides. Right. And it wasn't really addressed, but we all just assumed it's because he's the captain of the fucking Flying Dutchman now and right, he right. can't. Yeah. So I'm really curious as to how they're going to put him I wonder if he's just going to swing in and be like, oh, look at me and tentacles. Oh, yeah. Fuck y'all. Dude, can you imagine? That if would he's be like dope. Full, well, the reason why Davy Jones and his crew had all that mutation was because they weren't following the rules. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it just happened. No, I thought no, no. I thought I thought it was just a degradation over time. No, no, it was because they were they were they were breaking the rules. What? Because he's not supposed to be going around just doing pirate shit. He's supposed to just be ferrying people to and from like hell, and then he gets like his one appearance every like three years. Got or it. Was. But got he it. they were just out robbing people and like blowing <laughs> up ships, and that's why they got like the fucking fish mutation. Whoa! But that being said, if they just retcon that and Will Turner just gets like a fucking crab claw, right? That would be dope. That would be dope. Anywho, even um, if he doesn't, even if in, even if he shows up with that ship and like is just fucking shit up, that would be cool. Right, 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 right. I would like that. And then the only other real information as far as cast that I wanted to touch on is supposedly it's rumored that Paul McCartney is going to have a small role at some point. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's dope. Well, uh, remember they had Keith Richards. Um, oh, yeah. I yeah, forgot yeah. about yeah, that. Yeah. Damn. That's awesome. Yeah, That's fucking he, cool. He, he showed up. Uh, and I think, I don't remember, I, I believe originally the rumor was that Keith Richards was going to be Jack Sparrow's dad, but I think he was actually his brother in the movie. Was he? I don't remember. I don't remember. It's, it's been, been a long a time. Years, yeah, yeah, I need to rewatch them actually because those movies are fucking awesome. Yeah, fuck all of you. <laughs> the uh, the the uh, the fourth one with Ian McShane uh-huh. and Alfie Cruz. Oh yeah, was fucking rad. Awesome. So <laughs> awful. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, we got a teaser. I, I recommend you checking it out. It looks cool. If you guys haven't seen it, um, Javier Bardem. Fuck you. He's the best villain. Yeah. You ever have you seen No Country for Old Men? Oh, like once in your life. Yeah, he's such a good character. Every character that he does is awesome. Yeah. He was even great in that fucking, uh, what was it, Counselor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He delivers like one line in the Pirates trailer, and it's like bone chilling, essentially. Yeah, definitely cool. But yeah, so there we go. Yeah, it's one Next week, episode 30 Fuck. already. Yeah, what, what's life going to be like after 30? I mean, <laughs> it sucks. As an age joke. <laughs> Garrett's an ageist, y'all. <laughs> All right, see y'all next time.